From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 335, and today's show is brought to you by Hover and DevonThink. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm very well, my friend. It's a holiday here in America, you oh, know. Yeah. It's a holiday. Mm-hmm. But my boss doesn't give me those holidays off, and neither does yours, because we got to do Upgrade. We have to. Why wouldn't we? Yeah. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question from you, for you that comes from Stitch, who oh. says, You often mention, Jason, that Upgrade signifies the start of your week. Do you have anything True. specific to signify the end of your week? Oh, man. I used to, and I don't anymore. Okay. That's my answer. The uh, I used to end my week Friday afternoon doing a podcast called TV Talk Machine mm. with my friend Tim Goodman, who was the chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter. However, Tim has retired as a TV critic, which makes it impossible to do a show talking about the shows Tim has seen, because he's... Like, bit, like not watching TV anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we had to park that show. And it's sad because uh, that was a fun show to do. And that was my Friday afternoon. The Upgrade and TV Talk Machine were my bookends of my week. But now I don't. Now it's just Friday afternoon. And like last Friday afternoon, I, I wrote a, a big article and I did a bunch of other stuff. And I shipped out a bunch of things that had been sitting in my office for months. I shipped them all out and took them to the post office and all of that. And it got to be about three or four in the afternoon. And I had that moment where I thought, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> done for the week. I'm, call- I'm calling it. But it was not uh, as ceremonious as uh, it there used isn't to be something on the calendar anymore that that signifies exactly. That's the that's the important thing is you got to have that. Well, the TV talk machine also we would have it on the calendar at like one o'clock. But really, one o'clock on Friday was when I would email Tim and say when do you want to do it? <laughs> and sometimes we would do it at one. Sometimes it would be three. Sometimes it would be four. Sometimes email. it would be perfectly, perfectly timed. Well, I found the email more reliable to reach him than texting. Hmm. Look, I love Tim, but he is not a super technical person. He's got his own way of, of using technology. When he was a TV critic, at least email was the best way to reach him because he was always on his laptop writing his articles and stuff. Um, and I also used uh, one of these uh, web services, Cast, to record our podcast because I could not rely on him, I felt, to like actually record his audio and, and send it to me in some way. So I was like, let's, let's not even bother. We're just going to use the website to do it. Uh, so, you know, and that's you, you work, you know, you've worked with a bunch of people, you've mm-hmm. collaborated with a bunch of people, you come to know their particular quirks, yes. and then you, you, you fit you fit into that particular quirk. So, yeah. so yes, we would get to Friday afternoon and it'd be like, what do you think? One. And he'd be like, eh, how about two or how about three or whatever. And sometimes it would be like four or five and it would be l- much later in the afternoon. But one, I knew that once we had recorded and I had posted TVTM that the weekend was here. That was a good feeling. If you would like to send in a question to help us open an episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk or use question mark SnellTalk in the Relay FM members Discord. Uh, please send in any of those. It would be wonderful. I have some follow-up for you, Jason. A couple of things. Apple has extended the free trial of Apple TV Plus until July 2021. So this is the original free trial <laughs> is continuing to be extended. So now at this point, it's going all the way up until July 
Interesting, right? Well, I, I guess they got a... Uh, I'm fascinated by the continued extensions here. Like, well, no, no, we need to do it a little bit more. But we've talked about it in Upstream a lot. The COVID... We're, we are now entering, I feel like, the period where a lot of TV is um, that was made pre-COVID is out, and the stuff that's being made during COVID is only starting to ramp up. And so, the you know, all their schedules got thrown out of whack. And we all know that they wanted to have everything, a really strong fall, in order to get people to convert to paid. And then their stuff got delayed. And so, you know, here we are where they're, they want to extend, they're going to do this again, right? They're going to like give people more free stuff and then say, no, no, now, really now. And it helps them build up a catalog too. I think one of the things about having Apple TV plus have been out for a while is you start to build up that catalog. You start to have, uh, you know, they're going to have two seasons of for all mankind and, you know, and, and, uh, the morning show and, they have two seasons of Dickinson and like, and then you can say, well, look, here's the value is not only do you get the new stuff that's just rolling out, but you get all these movies that we did. And when you get these TV shows that we did, and that makes it, you know, they're spending this time, not only just giving this away to, for free, but they're also building up a catalog to make it a more interesting uh, service. And that's important because there's still not a lot of uh, a breakthrough, I think with stuff that we know because it's on Apple TV plus, but that, that the general public doesn't know exists. And I, I say this because I was watching Jeopardy last week. Jeopardy Mike is a game show. Or I don't know what Jeopardy do is. Do you have a, do you have a different word for that? And is it a, is it a quiz show? Is it, a, you, you call talk shows, chat shows. So I don't know yep. what you call game shows. Are they game shows? They're game shows, unless they're quiz shows, then they're quiz shows. I, I would say oh, that no. it's more of a quiz show than a, than a game show. It is show, a quiz but, show. Yeah. Anyway, they had, they, had a, uh, they had a category that was television. And, uh, television titles, I think, is what it was. And it was Jason Sudeikis stars as a football coach who goes to England to coach a soccer team. And you cut, as you do in Jeopardy, to the three contestants, and they're all staring into space. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> Nobody knew it was Ted Lasso. Hmm. And I thought, there you go. These people don't know anything about Apple TV+. And that is, that, right there, I was like, that is Apple's challenge. Is Apple's got to get above the noise, because... I feel like Ted Lasso is one of those shows that's got great word of mouth. Everybody's talking about it. And yet those three Jeopardy contestants, at least, never heard of it. No idea. I feel like that Ted Lasso is maybe the only show that's really broken out. Um, but yes, it's still not. It's not enough yet. Uh, Ted Lasso season two is officially in production now as well. This is another announcement. That it is. Hooray. That's that's great to hear that they that they've done that and I should say that I think they recorded that Jeopardy episode it was it's the first batch after Alex Trebek died so it's probably November mm -hmm. that they recorded those so I feel like the Ted Lasso conversation continues to build mm -hmm. <laughs> and spread so um you know but again adding to the catalog and doing a second season they'll do second season promotion when it comes out and tell everybody to go back and binge the first season which is what they're the new promo for for all mankind season 2 came out and at the end of it it doesn't just say february it says binge the first season now <laughs> i'm like oh yeah you should yeah that's the right way to promote a season 2 of a show on apple tv plus because maybe you've never even heard of it 
All right, we have a bunch of reports to talk about today uh, that have come from various uh, sites. And the first one comes from The Information with a secondary report from Bloomberg about Apple uh, apparently planning on adding a paid podcast subscription service to its current roster of services. The thinking behind this is that the space is heating up now and Apple sees this as an option for them as well, along with companies like Spotify, uh, Sirius, uh, Amazon, and many more. And the thinking is that if they want to get into this, they have to get into this now before too many shows go platform exclusive to platforms that aren't Apple Podcasts. Um, and then the the overall usage of the of Apple's platform uh, is diminished. You know, like a lot of people will say, and they're right that Spotify is growing. Um, in you know, and, and and kind of like fighting down Apple's overall market share of the podcast industry. So far, it has kind of been proven that really Spotify is adding to the pie. But unless Apple does something, is the thinking, and I can understand it to a point. Uh, App Spotify is going to start eating in to Apple's share. If they care about that, they should do something with it. The current plan yeah. is apparently for them to purchase original content and create spin-offs of their own. Uh, with some of this content tying in with the uh, stuff that they produce for TV Plus, and they're talking with production companies now. Uh, honestly, we've reported and spoken about reports on this many times, like all of these things in the past, but it kind of feels like the wagons are circling a little bit more around this than, than it has been before. Yeah, the I think circling the wagons is meant to be like... a assuming a defensive posture but they're whatever it is whatever metaphor well, it, you want it yeah it kind of is assuming a defensive yeah i guess posture. so i was thinking more like they're kind of cranking up their machine or whatever but whatever metaphor you want they are this is a thing that has been rumored for a long time and i don't like it but it seems like this is just the way the game is played right now like there are so many different exclusive things now mm-hmm. exclusive audio former podcast podcast put behind a paywall kind of stuff like that and Apple's got its services business, right? Um, <laughs> so the the rumor is that they would add this probably as another $5 a month kind of service, but also just roll it into Apple One. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point, I think that's an interesting bit of analysis is, does Apple really want people to pay for it so much as, or, or does Apple just want to sweeten the bundle? Right, like the that the five dollar a month, they don't really expect anybody to pay no. it for five dollars a month. They really just expect to make the Apple One bundle look better. Um, and there's a lot of fascinating kind of buying psychology <laughs> behind that one. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I don't like the idea of walling off uh, walling off podcasts, but I also get that Spotify is is uh, playing hardball here. And that Apple's position as a controlling force, a commanding force in podcasts is a little bit under siege. So I get why they would want to do something. The sleeping giant, as Apple have very frequently referred to. Yeah. I feel like Apple could like make it available not as a service, but just an exclusive to the podcast app if they wanted to. Which they've done already or tried to do already with uh, Apple News today. Yeah, exactly. Just to just to create more weight to like why why not why listen to everything in Spotify? Some stuff you need to be, but we're going to end up in a fractured. We're already there, a fractured system where you've got podcasts that you can listen to anywhere, and then you've got some that you can only listen to here or there, or whatever. And it's, mm-hmm. That's kind of unfortunate, but I'm not surprised. If Apple, 
we've been hearing this for a long time that Apple was going down this direction. Wasn't there a uh, uh, there was a pick on Connected? One of one of the annual picks was about this, and and I think it was Stephen, and he yeah. got it right because of the news podcast that mm-hmm. Apple is doing. But this would be a whole other level if they do things that are like behind a uh, a, a a service wall, a paywall. That would be that would be a new a new step for Apple. Yeah, I think. The service itself, I imagine, will be more like TV Plus than News Plus. I don't think there's going to be, like, support your favorite current show by paying us and we'll pay them. I think it's going to be very much like, hey, look at all this content we have uh, from people that you may know, from producers that you may know. Don't you want this? Give us money. I, I think that it's it's going to be more of option B and option A. Because, you know, you see, I think I see a lot of people comparing it to one or the other or saying, like, oh, this is going to be like News Plus. Um, I don't think it's going to be like that. I I really don't. I don't think Apple's going to get into the business of collecting up membership money on behalf of other producers. Uh, And honestly, I think that that they would have an even harder time getting companies to agree to that than they did with News Plus. Um, Yeah. Because it's, you know... At this point, it's it's almost trivial for producers to create their own membership programs, like like the one I know. That we have. I I don't exactly. Apple can't really offer anything. Yeah, that's that's one of the parts about this report that I thought was interesting is the idea that they're trying to do like extensions, which you know you could do, but you make a good point, which is, um, what's what cut are you getting, and could, would you be better off just doing it yourself as a podcast yeah. creator? Because yeah. I, I remember like uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern when they went on Earwolf, one of the things that they did is for the premium Earwolf subscription is they built, they did a spinoff that was not the yes. core Magic Tavern, but they did their spinoff. There was some stuff for this on Luminary too. There was some spinoffs of popular shows on Luminary. Yeah. So so that's a strategy, but again, it's sort of like it, I think it only probably works if you are so high profile that Apple is going to guarantee you money. Mm-hmm. Um, that, right. That, that it's not going to be like, well, you'll get, you know, a percentage based on how many people listen to your thing and all that. And much more like we're trying to build something here. And so we're going to pay you more than, than you're going to earn for us in order to build off our service. And, and maybe Apple will do that, but I think that's the only way you're going to get most, uh, anybody who's got a following big enough to have it be a motivator to listen on Apple podcasts is you're going to have to, if you're Apple, you're going to have to write them a check and, and, and admit that uh, maker of podcast X that is very popular doing spinoff or bonus version or something for you. Also, you've got to find somebody who doesn't have that strategy already, which I think most very popular podcasts probably already have a Patreon or membership of some kind. But you've got to come in there if if you're Apple in that scenario and say, uh, we're going to pay you 50 grand, 100 grand, 250,000, whatever it is, we're going to pay you just a check to do this for us because we need to build our service on the back of people like you. And all that value accumulates to us <laughs> and we know that, so here's some money to help us do that. And it has to be more than what they just make doing it themselves. So, <laughs> I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they what they do and I'm not entirely convinced that it will do anything but well this is um, an interesting thing see what I, they try. I read a report um 
that analysts are starting to question Spotify's move here because uh-huh. there is no indication right now that they're seeing any growth in subscriptions because of the right. podcasts that they've brought in. Right. They're doing a great job of increasing podcast listening on their platforms, and there may be some benefits from that, including something that we talked about when they started this, which is the more time people on Spotify are listening to podcasts, which are free, more or less, than uh, music, which they have to pay rights to, uh, you know, rights fees, mm-hmm. then that's that's sort of good for Spotify. But I think I think that's the risk, right, is that Spotify is making this big move that Apple's going to have to answer for in order to get control of this a little subset of an industry called podcasting that has no value to them. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't even mention like another story that, that is related to this is uh, the, the public radio consortium that bought pocket casts a couple of years ago. Yeah. They put that up for sale. And, and, and I looked at that story and I, I thought this, I, this feels to me a little bit similar. I don't know the details of that at all, other than, but it, it just gives me this vibe that maybe there was a brief idea that podcast infrastructure was a gold rush. And maybe it's not. Maybe everybody who rushed there is now like, why are we doing this? Like, this is not, which is not to say that podcasters aren't making money, but like, is Spotify really benefiting by all the money that they put into podcasting? Is that really going to lift them? Or are they now a major player in a space that doesn't help them because you could being a major player is great. It's great. But if all it is, is pride <laughs> and, and, and like nickels and dimes, but you spend a lot of money and you're spending a lot of effort and potentially diluting your brand and diverting your audience from, I always thought that there was an issue with Spotify that you were going to get people hooked on podcasts and they were going to realize they didn't need to pay for Spotify anymore. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see what happens here, but um I think those analyst comments are are fascinating. Like what if Spotify has done a good job here and has has and then looks at the results and says, "Oh, it didn't really do anything like important." Or it's like people are just still I mean, they might be signing up, they're signing up for the free accounts. It's like it's not moving the needle and they spent 800 million dollars right. on it. Exactly. And it it's like okay, you may have done a decent job bringing making some money here or whatever, but it isn't worth the close to a billion dollars you've spent on this. Um, We've conquered Greenland, everybody. Yeah. Well, great. What can we do in Greenland? Mm, not much. <laughs> it's like okay, why did we do it then? Well, because we could. Like that's that's the question, right? And maybe maybe they've got a good answer, and maybe they're happy with it. I don't know, but uh, I I do wonder. I do wonder. This episode is brought to you by Hover, one of our longest-running sponsors here at Relay FM and on this show. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a great domain name. For so many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first big leap. It's that first step. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from because no matter what you want to build, there's a great domain name waiting for it and Hover can give you that. And what I love about Hover is how easy it is to search for that domain name. You go there, you can search for the domain in entirety if you know exactly what you're looking for and if it's available, they'll tell you and you can register it super quick. Or you can just type in some words and it will give you suggestions and you can scroll through and take a look at all of the domain extensions and 
all the domain options, you might find something there which is great for you. Like I had no idea that dot live domains existed until I found out on Hover and I registered one and created like a whole little brand around it because I thought it sounded super cool for live streaming. But you can get any type of domain that you want at Hover. They have them available to you. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. They are dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy and all of the domains that support it. So bad guys won't get your information. They have great user experience talking about how quick it is to register. You can can go from search to like checkout and done in like a minute. It's so fast. Uh, it's almost dangerous how fast it is because of the amount of domains that I've registered. Uh, they also have monthly sales on popular top level domains as well. It's so easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting their businesses. I want you to go and check it out. It's so awesome. It's so simple. It's If you uh, have used any domain registrar in the past, I guarantee you you're going to get a better experience with Hover. So go and buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash upgrade and you will get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com slash upgrade. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So the one of two Bloomberg reports that we're going to talk about in detail today have come from Ooh. friend of the show, actual real friend of the show, Mark Gurman. Yeah, uh, he was busy, busy, busy boy, busy boy last week. All right, let's talk about just like 50,000 feet thing here. <laughs> uh-huh. There's, there's, I think, one more report that we're not going to talk about today. We might talk about it next time. But it seemed like, I don't know what happened, but like, Mark had a bunch of things and just released them <laughs> all at once. It's really interesting. It was weird too because it was a it was Friday, right? So it was almost yep. like the Friday afternoon news drop, which is weird because you try to hide things on Fridays and 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 they were all separate articles as well. Going like, on vacation, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. I'd love to know why. But so the first one we're going to talk about is a report on the new MacBook. Pros. So I'll go through this. We can stop and talk about all of the the features as they as they go. Uh, we're looking at 14 and 16 inch models going to be available in the MacBook Pro line. Um, this makes sense. I think we'd expected that, right? Like you you spoke about it in your predictions that it was the year for the 14 inch, right? Uh, next generation versions of Apple Silicon chips with quote more cores and enhanced graphics. Now, yeah, the thing I need to mention is coming mid-year, right? So yes. this is suggesting that June this year we'll see something. So let's talk about this then. Um, are we looking at an enhanced M1 or are we talking like whatever the next class of chip is? What do you it, think? It could be either one, right? Like this could be an M2 or it could be an M1X. But the fact that it's only six months out makes me think it's more likely to be, for lack of a better word, the M1X, that it's an M1 with more cores and it's more, you know, it's the M1 Pro, essentially. Mm. That that the, But it's up to them. They can number these however they want, right? They could number every single one in sequence or they could say like each chip generation, like on the A series, is a number and then the variants have letters at the end of them. My guess is that six months in, you know, they're not going to be doing something that's based on the next chip generation. They're going to be based on this chip generation. So I would say maybe M1X is the thing. And having it be mid-year, WWDC essentially, um, 
that would make sense, right? You you got you can't put just the same M1 in a MacBook Pro. That's why it's only in the MacBook Air and the low-end MacBook Pro now. So what do you do to make those other systems more high-end? And the answer is, yeah, is a is a better chip, right? So they would have to do that. Yeah. Um, so having it in these models, the MacBook Pro models, makes sense to me. Here's the thing that I will just float as a possibility. Uh, what if it's like M1, M2, M3? And then like next year's is M1X, M2X, M3X, and they have different chips at different levels of the product line, and they're called different things, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they so many of the things we talk about here end up coming back to what's Apple's marketing decision. Yep. Because they they got a strategy technically that they're executing. This is our this is our iMac Pro argument, right? Will there be an iMac Pro? And I think we all kind of settled on the idea that well, there could be, but it's really just up to Apple if they want to call it. None of us uh, seems to really believe that there's going to be an iMac Pro that's totally different from the iMac that keeps kicking around. That seems mm-hmm. unlikely, mm-hmm. but that isn't stopping them from calling something iMac Pro. And you know they chose to call this. Uh, chip the m1 they could call they could give it a name they could call it like m1 eagle <laughs> or they could call it m1 ultra m1 pro like the macbook pro has the m1 pro or they could just stick with what they're doing and call it the m1x and uh like they did with the ipad chips and maybe they'll do that i we who knows or they'll just call it the m1 and say this is a new version of the m1 it's a it's the it's this many cores m1 they're, it's that their choice, but it doesn't change fundamentally what they're doing here, which is probably taking the same chip as the M1, but a variant that's got more cores and uh, and enhanced graphics, as Mark Gurman said, a, a variant on the M1. There isn't a talk in this uh, MacBook Pro uh, rumor, at least, or report, at least, of dedicated GPUs. Do you think that that is something we would see in a MacBook Pro, or do you think they're all just going to be system-on-a-chip integrated GPUs and they'll be powerful enough? My feeling is that that'll be on the chip for now. And it'll, it'll probably be enough, right? Like with the power that they're looking at. Exactly. And that they'll they'll add GPU cores and... Um, I think Apple probably wants to get somewhere. You look at the the Mac Pro and and think Apple probably wants to get somewhere where it can use external GPUs. Mm-hmm. But does it have to get there in 2021? Eh, I don't think you know mid year 2021 with a MacBook Pro. Does it really need that? Can it have enough graphic superpowers with with its own GPU that it need it doesn't need to do that? Um, my guess is that that it'll keep it simple for this first generation of chips. So we we said coming mid-year, this feels like a very, very sweet WWDC announcement, right? Like, here's your new MacBook Pros. It's a perfect audience for it. Like, that feels just about right. Like, here they are. They're available now, right? Like, I, I, I can see... I could have really imagined this. Uh, you know, the, the, the MacBook Pro is for many people their computer but for developers it's like the computer um i could really imagine that right it feels like it fits in quite nicely higher contrast displays so we have to wait and see what exactly what that looks like but better display technology in some form or fashion uh alone for better color reproduction reproduction 
and apparently they these uh, MacBook Pros will look similar with minor design changes. So you'd expect uh, the 14-inch will look most like the 16-inch rather than the 13-inch now, right? So like the 14 will change the most. It will start to look like the newer generation. But that overall doesn't seem like from Mark Gurman's report that they're going to look that different. Um, I will add that uh, Ming-Chi Kuo also had a report about these, which detailed just a couple of things extra. One of the things that Kuo says is that they will get a flat-edged design, which makes logical sense, right? That's the Apple 2020-2021 design language. Right. Yeah, that'll look more like a a uh, two-ply <laughs> uh, uh, iPad Pro kind of thing, right? That's a way to put it, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm, that's why I'm in marketing, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not in marketing. It's a marketing decision. They can call it what they want. We know what it looks like. Yeah, I, I am, this is interesting because German's sort of saying, yeah, it'll look more or less the same. And Ming-Chi Kuo saying, well, no, it's going to be a little bit flat-edged. These, this may be just the opinion of people who've seen it <laughs> yeah. and that they're actually describing the same thing. It's the parable of the blind man and the elephant, right? Like they're, they're actually the same, but coming at it from different directions, but it does seem uh, contradictory on the surface. Just it's more or less like the old design and Ming Chi Kuo saying, no, it's really not. So, so the, the way that I've, I mean, cause you know, like MacBook pros have flat sides. I, my imagination for what is being described here, um, is that they will they will be flat on the bottom because the MacBook Pro kind of has oh. that taper out and it's a bit chunkier at the bottom, right? I imagine them kind of basically making it uh, all flat box kind of design. Yeah, which, well, well, know. yeah. The the idea that it isn't going to have the sides that are like the sort of Swoop su- sort of sweepy curved, mm. but are instead more like a flat edge and then and then a very quick kind of like right angle to another flat be nice if they made them even thinner to make that happen. That would be fun. Just for, you know, why yeah. not? If they were thinner, lighter. I would love thinner and know. lighter. There's nothing about that in any of these reports, but I've just always laptops thinner and lighter as long as they keep the power. Sure. Of course. Um, okay, MagSafe is apparently coming back. Again, because it already came back, but it's coming back again. It's well, back yeah. To the Mac. This is more like coming back, though. So Mark Gurman is saying that MagSafe on the new MacBook Pros is going to be more like the old version uh, of the MagSafe design, almost like a pill-shaped kind of connector. Yeah, a little little Mm pill-shaped. Not what we've seen for iPhones, which I think is confusing. I don't know. You know, it's uh, again, it's just how they market it. They're like, we use MagSafe technology in a bunch of different ways in a bunch of different places. And on the Mac, MagSafe is like this. And on the iPhone, MagSafe is like this. And then... I, I think they could they could get away with it. It is interesting, though. One of the things that most frustrates me about a person who talks about Apple products in an audio medi- medium for a living is having to qualify everything. I know. And this will be just another qualification. MagSafe yep. for MacBook Pro. MagSafe for iPhone. Right, like which one? The old? No, no, the old MagSafe. No, not that one. The second generation MagSafe. Yeah. No, no, not that one. The right angle connector, not the. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it that for us, it's going to be extra confusing if it happens. Isn't this fascinating though? The idea that um, th- this is an undo, right? 
This yeah. is this yeah. is an yeah. undo of a design decision that Apple made mid last decade where they said, we're going to introduce USB-C and we're just going to drop MagSafe and we're just going to focus on USB-C charging. And it sounds like, according to German, they're they're tossing that. and They're going to... I wonder if they'll also allow USB-C charging? I'm convinced they will. Because that would be madness to not have that as an option. Well, and, and like docking, you know, docking to a monitor and stuff yeah. like that, you know, yeah. they, to be able to charge that way rather than to having a second thing. It would be... Yeah really annoying to both have to uh, plug in a USB-C cable and a MagSafe when yeah. technically there's no reason that you would need to do that, right? Right. Um, yeah, I, I I, mean, Apple's really annoyed people before, but I think you're probably right that why would you backtrack? Yeah. Offering a little MagSafe um, thing, a little MagSafe pill, and also, of course, yes, if you plug into the Thunderbolt port, it's going to charge and it's fine. Like that, that would be the best way to do it so i think it's great news because i i like magsafe and i miss it and having just bought a new macbook air and you know i didn't use my old macbook air that much anymore but like it was still a magsafe macbook air and then the new one i'm like i'm gonna put this down oh i need to plug it in now (laughs) here is the plug right uh yeah it's not as good it's just not as good i know this is like news from 2017 for most people but it's still yeah magsafe still good this one puzzles me, though, a little bit because I can't really imagine that the technology has advanced and will provide me with any different functionality, right? Like, it's going to be a little connector that's a magnet and it connects to my laptop and charges it. And so yeah. the story of it coming back is going to be really weird. Like, at best, I can imagine they were like, once we brought MagSafe to the iPhone, we were like, wow, we should bring it to... Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, the, I, I'm I'm really kind of struggling to wrap my head around, like, why? Like, why did you get rid of it? And now why is it here again? Again, here I am, not the marketing professional, but I would imagine looking at Apple's history that what they'll do is a classic Apple move where they do something to right a wrong caused by Apple and sort of say, aren't we heroes? <laughs> <laughs> Look what we did. So the idea that they'll come out and say, and, you know, we're bringing MagSafe back because people love it. Like, let's not mention that, you know, we also killed it, but we brought it back. Aren't you happy? Aren't you grateful that we brought it back? Yay. It's like we made a keyboard that's good. Yay. And everybody's like, but you made the bad keyboard, too. It's like, yeah. but the keyboard is good now. Hooray. So I think I think it'll be like that. All right. Well, let's try your newfound marketing prowess on this next one. Apple is yeah. apparently testing the removal of the touch bar. <laughs> people like people like the function keys. We brought them back. Yay. It's got a complete keyboard. You know, this is not just our magic keyboard, but it's doing something that the MacBook Pro hasn't done for a while now, which is we've added an extra row of function keys because people love function keys. Yay! Hooray! This yeah, one's the touch bar. This is this is uh, well, that, I mean, talk about reverting to Oh, uh, if this is true, I am fascinated to know what happened behind the scenes where at some point somebody in Mac product design was like getting rid of MagSafe was a mistake, putting the touch bar on was a mistake. I want to I want them dead. <laughs> I want them gone. Um, we need to backtrack our laptops. And, you know, people say this stuff outside of Apple all the time, but to hear it from inside Apple would be fascinating because it is essentially Apple saying, you know what? Our 
our laptops were better in 2015 than they are today. Mm-hmm. That we went backward. And now we're going to go back to the future, whatever it is, right? And that it's, although, although, Mike, Unless. the Magic Keyboard is also an example of that, where they're like, remember that keyboard that people liked? We're bringing it back. And the MacBook Air is that, right? <laughs> Which is, oh, yeah, we made these other MacBooks that people didn't buy, but uh, the MacBook Air, so we're bringing it back. We're, we're going to do a new version of that, too. So you could argue that Apple has already been spending the last couple of years trying to undo all their bad decisions from mid-decade on their laptops. But this would be pretty a pretty major repudiation of every attempt that they made. Like the touch bar is like literally the only innovative Mac thing that they did in between, I don't know when, between sometime early. And what I want to say is between the introduction of the second generation MacBook Air and the M1, perhaps the most innovative, I mean, they did the trash can, which didn't work out, the trash can Mac Pro, and they did the touch bar. Mm-hmm. And if they take the touch bar away, they already killed the trash can Mac Pro. But if they take the touch bar away, it is kind of a repudiation of a decade of, of, uh, or, or maybe it just puts a little cherry on top of a decade where not a lot of stuff happened on the Mac that the stuff that they did try didn't even work very well and they had to dump it. I mean, combining this with another thing from Ming Chi Kuo that more ports are coming to the laptops. I, I have no idea what's, what's going on here. Right. Yeah. Is there an SD card in there too? Is there an HDMI? Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is... So when we talked about Apple Silicon unlocking a future for the Mac, I'm not sure what I expected is that the future would actually be (laughs) undoing everything that's happened in the last six years. The future is the past. That's what we've learned here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, everything goes around. Rainbow logo. It's going to be in beige. It's going to be, let's just go all the way back, people. All the way back. I don't know what to make of this. Uh, look, let me just say, this sounds <sighs> like an incredible product and everyone's going to lose their collective mind when, when if they announce all of this stuff. But they, they didn't even mention whether there's face ID, which I would hope that if they redesign these products, they would put the the sensors on to do face ID too. Right, but the laptops but they, have touch ID. here. Right, and I think that that I think Apple will consider that acceptable for the laptop line for quite yeah, a while. It's probably it's probably fine, but that, I, I still had that when I was doc when I'm my laptop. Well, yeah, I mean it's fine because you you put it in clamshell mode and it can't see you anyway, right? Mm-hmm. For Face ID, so it's fine. Uh, we'll save that for the iMac. Maybe they'll do it there, but I don't know. This is um, you're right from a product introduction standpoint. It will be very interesting to see how Apple addresses or chooses just not to address the fact that it's undone a bunch of the things that it it had done in the past this is the you know swallowing its pride kind of thing but my guess is that based on their previous behavior they'll just tout it as a great new thing and when you ask them about it um on the record if they say anything it'll it'll just be sort of like but this is (laughs) it's one louder isn't it like but this is new but this is good like well yeah but what about the touch bar it's like well we think that uh we think people will use this like i i my guess is that they won't even talk about it i could imagine a we listened to our customers for the touch bar 
Yeah, that's a that's a good one that they that they do a lot, which is yeah. we listened and it, although we think that the touch bar was innovative, you know, the the fact is that it wasn't being as used as much as we'd hoped and that people really liked the physical keys. They it, they could lean into that and say um it 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 turns out that adding a touch surface on that plane didn't actually work or they could just say we, you know, people wanted this, so we're going to give them what they want. Yeah. This is an in. This is. I mean, look, we have more, but like, this is the beginning of what seems to be a very clearly interesting and exciting year for the Mac. Oh yeah. If they do this stuff, and let's just say, right, like when it comes to things like this, Mark Gurman has a very, very good track record, right, with like hardware, right. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um. Either they just do all the things that's in Mark Gurman's article here. That is a unpredictable computer from a year ago, eighteen months ago, right? Like, uh, tell me, uh, long-time user of the Mac, what are all the things that are wrong with the current crop of MacBook Pros, and what do you want them to do? And then you go through and list all the things, and then then Apple says, "Here you go, then." And that doesn't seem right. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, uh, we're going to get bigger yeah. screens, uh, better chips, better displays, uh, MagSafe, more ports, uh, and the removal of the touch bar. Well, so I a couple weeks ago, I wrote a Macworld piece where I said um, Apple, it was keyed off of this uh, Twitter comment that somebody made where the only Intel Mac that was in 20 Macs for 2020 was the first generation or the second generation MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. And I said, I didn't realize that, which is funny. And there, there were some other ones that were kind of on my list. But I, I, the piece in Macworld that I wrote was basically that Apple sort of had a Mac stasis for most of the 2010s. It was yeah. just sort of on a combination, I would say, of a mid-decade sort of not focusing on the Mac. And also, I, I think a perception that they got it right with the Mac in that flurry of creative activity that they did between, you know, 98 and 2010, that they kind of got it right. And now the Mac is shaped up and they obviously were moving on to worrying about the iPhone and the iPad and the Apple watch. And like the Mac is doing great because mm-hmm. they did spend, they, they, they tr- threw so much at the wall in that period of 12 years in terms of the Mac and completely transformed it. So that's great. But that was a long time ago now. That was more than a decade ago. And the 2010s didn't really have a lot that was successful. And so while I'm excited about the idea that in 2021, they might be undoing some of the things that they tried to make the Mac different that weren't successful. I I have to ask, does Apple think that the MacBook Pro is perfect? Like... Do they think that the do they really think that other than chip speed and some spec updates and maybe some thinness and lightness that the thing that they designed that the Retina MacBook Pro of 2014 or whatever was perfect and that there's nothing more to be done with a laptop that a laptop that's sort of silvery metallic with a regular keyboard with a magic keyboard with function keys and a big trackpad and a non-touch uh, screen and some ports on it is literally all a laptop should ever be or could ever be. Um, cause 
I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not. I, I think maybe they designed the perfect laptop for a decade, but that was a decade ago. What's next? And you see the PC laptop makers struggling, trying all sorts of different things. Some of them are successful, maybe. Some of them are not. Apple doesn't do that in public. Apple does that behind the scenes. And perhaps they've tried a whole bunch of different things and none of them are good. But I am increasingly skeptical that the solution in the long run to making a great MacBook Pro is to have it, you know, be a blast from the past. It's a, it's a step. Getting rid of the bad stuff and not holding on to it when you decided it doesn't work. Sorry, people who like the touch bar, but like, I, fe- I feel like in general, it, it was, it was a, a cul-de-sac for them. So I like the touch bar in theory. And I like what I use of it, but it is a failure because nothing has changed on it since it yeah. came well, about. That's I think that's exactly right, which is even if you like the touch bar, what I would say is Apple doesn't clearly doesn't like the touch bar because yeah. Apple has made almost no attempt to make it better. And it's been years now and it's not any better. And there were so many clear things that it, if they had like iterated and the next version of Mac OS added a whole bunch of touch bar stuff and all that. Sure. But they never did it, which suggests to me that whoever championed the touch bar, nobody else inside Apple believed it <laughs> and and went along with it. So, so don't get me wrong, undoing failures or like eliminating MagSafe or bad product decisions like conceiving of the touch bar and shipping it and then and then realizing that you got it wrong or not getting the, you know, not putting effort into making it a success, whatever that story is. That's all good. But I still am left. If 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 we look at the the MacBook Pro line at the end of this year, or maybe in a couple of years, and it looks the same more or less as the MacBook Pro from mid last decade, and the message is really like, "Oh, we're sorry." It turns out the MacBook Pro of 2015 was the best MacBook Pro, so we're going back to that. That's okay. It's pro- pragmatic, but I would say it's also disappointing. Because I feel like Apple should be pushing right. what a laptop is a little bit more than they are. Because I don't, I mean, I can see the argument that maybe the laptop has a perfect shape and maybe they found it and that they defined it and that's what it is. But that it sounds a lot like an end of history argument to me. It sounds a lot like, well, now that the Soviet Union has fallen and the Cold War is over, there will never be anything more that will happen and everything will stay the same forever, which is what people legitimately said in the 90s. They were completely wrong. History, it never ends, right? It's, uh, as uh, Dr. Manhattan said in Watchmen, mm-hmm. it never ends, right? You always, you if you get complacent and you say, oh, well, we solved it, we're done. Like, I, I, I don't, think that inside apple people are complacent about it but i do wonder if apple has has just decided that there's never going to be anything better than the macbook pro in the shape that it's that we know it and that it should just stay that way forever and i think that's a mistake mm-hmm. i think i think they will regret that eventually if they aren't trying to push it so great you know great first step but reverting to previous version is hard to it's hard to cheer at that as like a great victory because it's not moving anything ahead. It's just fixing problems and fixing problems is probably step one of moving ahead. But what's step two? This feels more like it needs to be uh, a reversion to a new baseline. And then they push forward. And then forward. Yeah. I hope so. 
I hope so. They're like, we got, like I said about the touch bar being a cul-de-sac. It's like, okay, we're backing out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then we can get then on the freeway and <laughs> we can, then we can, then we can go. I hope so. And I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. There's no, no rumors about that sort of thing now. You know, one great way to explain the disappearance of the touch bar would be to add a touch screen. Just saying. You know, I thought that, but I, I was imagining that like, we don't need a touch bar if all of those actions are now on the screen. Right. And it's, but the, uh, my thought was that I'm sure I'm sure if it did, Gurman would have known that. Yep. Uh, I'm convinced. And, and, and Quo, too, honestly. I yeah. think they would both know. One of them would have One of them would have reported that, and they didn't. Um, but I still don't think that, the, that that means... I am very much in the camp of there will be a touchscreen on a Mac. I think it's going to happen. I think it could happen this year, um, but it, I think it will be in the next couple of years. And uh, I will not accept that just because they haven't done it means they will not do it. You know, like I think a lot of people go like, ha ha, see, there's no touchscreens on these laptops. It's like, I don't think that that means anything. It just means there's no touchscreens on these laptops. Um, I did want to just circle back to, to the fact that the MacBook Air being the only Mac and the modern Mac in 20 for 2020. I think if you were doing 30 for 2030, uh, the iMac Pro would be in it. I think it's too soon to it, but the iMac Pro feels like a very good candidate for what was 20 Macs for 2020. I mean, I wrote I wrote a thing on Six Colors about the sort of what was on the cutting room floor. And yeah, there, there are definitely part of the challenge is you want to tell the story of the sweep of history. And the truth is, a lot of the recent stuff, everybody knows that story because we just it just exactly. happened. Yeah, and you don't know, and you don't know how it ended. Like the I, I would argue the iMac Pro story still hasn't been told because no, it's still it's being still sold. Here. We need yeah. So th- this is exactly it. It needs more time. And when it goes away, and we find out what replaces it, which is just fast iMacs that run in Apple Silicon, then you can be like, oh, I, like I know what that article is, right? That article is is all about that moment where they thought they were going to kill the Mac Pro yep. and just have an iMac. Yep. And that they realized they had to change, but they shipped the iMac Pro anyway. And like, there's a whole story there. And there are other stories like that with some other models. I think the Mac 12-inch MacBook is probably a great story, but is that story over? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I think the thing about the iMac Pro is that it's also an excellent computer, which makes the story even more fun to tell, right? It's sure, like, sure. Because where the MacBook Air was like not, great in a lot of ways oh, the, sorry the 12 inch macbook you know like the story would have been very yeah, different a, a lot of the pieces that i wrote were about macs that weren't weren't great sure but i <laughs> sometimes, mean sometimes yeah. sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad but, yes. but there's a there's a super cool story in the fact that it is this weird mac pro which is from an alternate timeline but they released it anyway yep. the imac pro sorry, but they released from an it anyway timeline. they released it anyway yep. and it was really good and there was only ever one of them yeah Oh, I I think I think there's truth to that. That yeah. uh, it's not just that the 2010s was a wasteland, but it's also that we know what the 2010s is in a way. We saw those stories, so yeah. I'm not really unearthing them. And also, we don't know how it all ends yet, right? Like, you do need time. I, I had a bunch of people write me during the course of that series who said, "What about this current Mac?" and "What about this current Mac?" and I said to a lot of them, "There's a reason that like the that like sports hall of fames have a waiting period, like." I think you need some perspective about some of these things and exactly where they fit. And the the iMac Pro is a great example of a product that uh, undoubtedly there is a story to tell there, but we still don't quite know the end of it. And I want to, I want to see that. Mm -hmm. So that that's part of it too. You're right. 
That needs a bit of time, doesn't there, really? Because it's like it's it that idea of like, what is the best Mac of all time? Well, you can make arguments that it's always the most recent one, but exactly, maybe except for some people, the MacBook Pro. But we'll see about that. All right, this episode is also brought to you by DevonThink, the flagship product from Devon Technologies. DevonThink is the most professional document and information management application for the Mac. It is the one place for storing all of your documents, snippets, or bookmarks and working with them. The integrated AI assists you with filing and searching, while the extensive search language of advanced Boolean operators can help you find exactly what you're looking for. DevonThink features a flexible sync system that supports many cloud services or lets you synchronize over the local network too with everything securely encrypted. This gives you the choice for however syncing works best for you. It has smart rules and flexible reminders that let you automate all parts of your workflow and delegate boring repeating tasks. You can let DevonThink automatically organize your data with rules that you define. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There is no part of DevonThink that can't be automated. Extend DevonThink's functionality of your own commands by adding them to its scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside, and you can set up new documents with data from placeholders or inserted by your own AppleScript code. And of course, there is so much more, from an iOS companion app to email archiving, scanning, or even an embedded web server for sharing your data securely with your team. One of the things that I started using DevonThink for recently is to create a searchable database of my show notes of published podcasts because you can use RSS feeds of DevonThink. So I put all the RSS feeds in for my shows, including the member versions, so I can search through them super fast because we don't have a public uh, web pages for the member versions of our shows. But sometimes I'm like, where did we talk about that thing? It's now all in DevonThink. So I can just search for anything and DevonThink will find it for me. Super cool. I really love that feature so you can just have all this data pulled in without you ever needing to do anything because it's all with an rss feed it's really cool you can get 10 percent of devon think 3 or upgrade to it right now just go to devontechnologies.com slash upgrade that's devontechnologies.com slash upgrade for 10 percent off our thanks to devon technologies for their support of this show and all of relay fm so mark german has also published a report about the future of apple's desktop max 2 First up, new iMac. Slimmer bezels, no more chin. Overall, the design will be similar to the Pro Display XDR with a flat back, no more like bulge like the iMacs have had. And it will, quote, be one of the biggest visual updates to any Apple product this year. One of. I like that. Like, what a hedge that is. Right. Well, it might not be the only and it might not be the biggest, but it's among the biggest that will well, probably Well, I mean, there's happen. something else coming, which is a little bit weird and wonderful, but I reckon this is probably going to be the biggest uh, like redesign of anything that they have in the next year. Yeah, I would say, depending on how you count the uh, 2007, I think, iMac, or 2012 when they did the one that was thinner at the edges but bulged in the back, is the last time the iMac got a... a an update at all. Mm-hmm. I have a 2007 iMac that looks exactly like my iMac Pro except for the color of the silver and the fact that it's uh, got flat sides instead of the little curved sides. Yep. Um it really it, I mean the iMac has looked since they they went from plastic to aluminum, it hasn't really changed. So this is big and you and I have been 
begging for this for several years now because yep. it feels like shrinking the bezels and getting rid of the chin and all of that is obvious. Like, do that. Why would you not do that? But um, sounds like maybe it's finally going to happen. Having an iMac that looks like it's just a computer monitor, like, that's the dream. That's been the dream for years. Right. And it's been close, right? Like, it's just a, oh, this looks yeah. like it's just a monitor, but haha, there's a computer in there. Like, it feels like we may get to that now. That's what this is going to be. Like, it's not going to have space for a big Apple logo on the bottom because they don't need that space anymore. And they'll squeeze it all into what is ostensibly just a monitor. Yeah, that is, that's been the dream since they went with the G5 iMac to mm-hmm. the flat pane on a little foot. Mm-hmm. Is It's just a, it, the computer is gone. The computer has vanished. So... Um, it's just that, you know, again, in the last decade, <laughs> things have moved along and Apple has pulled the bezels in on almost every other product that they've made. And the iMac has remained as it is. And I, for a product that's as popular as the iMac, and, you know, when we, um, we did that episode where I, I talked to, uh, the product manager for the iMac, um, she said that, you know, it, it's a hugely important product. Like, like we, we lose sight of it because of the laptops are more popular but like iMac is a huge business for Apple and I think that um it's you probably got to lay it to down to Apple being distracted with other stuff and deciding that the Mac was fine like I said in our last segment like we got it it's fine we'll just leave it there because it feels like the iMac should have been redesigned a few years ago and they just didn't get to it so hooray because yeah this is a long time coming and i think it is really deserved and again i'll throw out there that this is where much better webcam uh face id would be great on the imac because you don't have a keyboard Mm -hmm. attached with Mm -hmm. a touch id sensor on it this would be a good use for something like that um obviously there's going to be a replacement for the larger one and the smaller one there have been some rumors that the smaller one will come first which wouldn't surprise me if they did that um Although Gurman's report here is about Next that they're going to do chips. it to 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 both of them, and mm-hmm. so there's a question of would they release them both at the same time or not? Because uh, he says next generation chips. You know, the rumors that were going around was that it might be uh, uh, the smaller one might just be an M1, and in the in the spring, and then that the other one would have a next generation chip and be later on. And I, I, that German's report doesn't say that I'm a little surprised by that. I would think that they would want to roll something out this spring, but maybe not. Maybe they've decided that, that the iMac also needs to wait and they'll do it, uh, in a bunch. I am very intrigued about this. I'm very intrigued about timing. Um, I, I don't think Mark gave timing for this. It's just like this year. Yeah. The next generation chips is the thing that makes me think, are they going to have a new variation on the M1 sooner than mid-year? And maybe they are. I, I would be a little surprised by that, but maybe. Maybe so. And it will be interesting, I think, to see what the sizes are, because it doesn't say about the sizes. Like, will they say 21 and 27, or will it go to, like, 23 and 30 or something, which we've seen rumors suggesting? Um and, you know, we spoke about wanting to have Face ID and stuff that's not in here, but it doesn't mean it's not happening, right? Um, at the very least, there has to be a better webcam in, well, in all of these products, honestly. Well, sure. Apple will get eviscerated <laughs> if, if they don't do that. Uh, this is 
But as exciting as all that is, it's not the most exciting thing that was in this article. A pair of new Mac Pros. Mm-hmm. A pair. A new, pair of Mac new, Pros. New. In quotes. One of these Mac Pros is going to be a direct update to the current Mac Pro. Same design. And get this, potentially still using an Intel processor. Yeah, I'm not sure this is what I would call new. I think this is German saying they may just update. They may do an Intel update Mm -hmm. on the Mac Pro that currently exists, Mm -hmm. which I kind of... I kind of understand why, like it allows them to keep selling this Mac Pro that has the Intel stuff and that has expansion cards and all the things we know to the people who have a bunch of them and they're they're institutional or they're high end clients and they've got lots of cards and you know lots of very specific needs and they aren't going to go off of Intel anytime soon. Um, so it kind of makes sense to keep it kicking around. To do an update on it would be surprising to me. But they could do it. I guess if Intel has better processors, they could put them in there. Are there new Xeons? I don't even know. But uh, they could do that. Or they could just keep it kicking around sort of as it is. And that would be another way to go. Just keep it kicking around. I think it's interesting that he says potentially still using an Intel processor, which also makes me wonder, are they planning to update the Mac Pro with Apple Silicon in the long run? But in the short run, they may do another you know, Intel update or not. This is, a, this is unclear to me about whether the Mac Pro, full-size Mac Pro is sticking around for the long run or not. If it's going to get an Intel update or just kick around with Intel for a while until it gets an Apple Silicon update, it's still a little mysterious to me. I think this is very intriguing. I could imagine it being a case, if you say, as you say, of just like making the current customers of the Mac Pro feel a little bit more comfortable too. Like, don't worry, like we're keeping this one around. Uh, this and this will be the very last product that will update if they do ever actually update this one. But it, they'll leave it for like right. the full two year that they said they would. That it was a two year transition. They'll leave that one for the longest. Yep. And this is the update that they always would have done to this Mac Pro of like, all right, we have some new stuff to put in here, so we're going to do that. Um, but like you know, making it pretty clear, I reckon, if they do this at the same time that they do this other one, that this is probably going to be the last one. But if you still need it, this is available to you. Um, yeah. But it's like just a the, update. This is why the Trash Can Mac Pro stayed on the price list so long. Mm-hmm. It, it may be why the iMac Pro stays on the price list for a while, right? They could do that. And it really is like, we don't want you to buy this, but... you Because they, they're going to have people who don't want to go to Apple Silicon because there's a very specific reason why they can't or they won't because Mm -hmm. they want to stay, stay back and they want to be, you know, all their computers are the same. And in two years we'll buy Apple Silicon, but not yet. Like I get it. I get that they would do that. And Mac pro is a very particular kind of high end user that just wants it the way they want it. That's fine. I get it. Mm -hmm. Now, the next one is a <laughs> half-sized Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's similar design, half the size, apparently being called reminiscent of the G4 Cube, still made of aluminium. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah. I guess... It's the mini tower. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is the Mac Pro you would make if you were making all of the internals yourself. I suppose. 
I don't really know what yeah. this computer means. So to be mini honest. towers back in back in the day, mini towers. The whole idea there was that not everybody needs to have a giant space full of cards, and that you could slim it down and create a smaller model that's cheaper, mm-hmm. that has some expansion in it, but is not, uh, you know, not the huge one. Like that. Yeah. That was a common product for a very long time on the this Mac. This idea is very popular in pcs uh, my yeah. next pc that i'm building is a smaller form factor that i can put on my desk i don't yeah. have to put under my exactly desk. you don't you don't need a lot of people don't need you know a whole big stack of cards mm-hmm. but they want like a card they want their their video card in there or whatever they need or they want more internal storage but they don't need the whole giant thing apple has resisted this product for a very long time mm-hmm. <laughs> there hasn't been a product like this available for a long time. Would you count the the trash can Mac Pro? Well, no, because it wasn't expandable. Ah, but, well, there's nothing to suggest that this is expandable either. Well, mm, but it's a Mac Pro, so I would think that maybe it is to a certain degree, but maybe not. In which case, I don't know what this is. Then it is well, a G4 Cube. The thing I was going to say is <laughs> there is nothing that suggests that this is a Mac Pro right now. M2 Cube. Well, except that he says that it's a Mac Pro. His report says it's a Mac Pro. Well, so they're thinking of it as a Mac Pro. That's what Mark Gurman has said, yes. Yeah. So if we're going to take him on, I feel like that there is weight in this being described as a Mac Pro and not as a different system. Yeah, yeah. Um, a half-height Mac Pro and not, and that, that may be how it's pitched internally, is that even though it's a mini tower, you know, we don't think this is a mainstream system and it's going to be very expensive, but it'll be cheaper than the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. And it's for all those people we know all of uh, all of us who are like, well, I'd love a pro system, but the Mac Pro is is a bridge too far. Do you do you think um, do you imagine they would they would have a product and call it the Mac Pro Mini? Like, what is this? <sighs> uh, uh, yeah, unless the the new uh, Mac Pro becomes the Mac Pro Max. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> do you, I don't can know, Apple but... break the curse of small Macs? I don't know. I don't know. Is there is there room for this product? Uh, is there an audience for this product? I don't know. The G4 Cube, beautiful, failed. Trash can Mac Pro, beautiful, failed. Yeah, Mac Mini, successful product. But like, what makes this different than a Mac it, Mini? Was the G4 Cube considered a professional grade product? Power Mac G4 Cube, yes. Right. So we'll Absolutely. we'll say that that is the, the this is essentially a Pro Mac. The Mac Pro was a Pro Mac. This would be a Pro Mac, and they yeah. have <laughs> third times a charm. But they used to do these products all the time. I I I think it's an interesting idea. It's pitched that it's a Mac Pro. Um, it is the thing that all the I don't know. I, I I'm fascinated by this because they've resisted this idea for so long but then again they seem to be undoing a lot of the assumptions that they made over the last decade Mm -hmm. i wonder about this to a pair of new mac pros report in general like is this a mac pro because he says it is is the old mac pro going to be replaced by this eventually but not yet in which case is this the new mac pro or i don't i don't know is the old mac pro going to be replaced with an apple silicon version of its current form i it's all out there right that's the, that's the question i you know 
as an old school Mac user, I like this idea. And I know that there are a bunch of people who are super into the Mac and they use it and they're power users and they have all migrated from what they used to use, which was Power Macs, to iMacs because iMacs are pretty powerful. And the the Mac Pro became so expensive and so high-end that it was ridiculous for most use. I look at this product and I think, that's the kind of product I would buy. That's the kind of product where it's like, I want the power, but I'm not going to buy the Mac Pro because it's overkill. It's Mm -hmm. too much. But this one, it's intriguing. Also intriguing because I could open it up and put more storage in it, possibly. I would be able to buy presumably a really nice monitor and then if i wanted to replace the computer i could just use that same monitor again if only mike if only (laughs) apple made a monitor that was more affordable than the pro display xdr this product would be perfect for it focused on consumer use to be sold alongside the new imac and new imac pro Uh, can i just say i predicted this In my predictions column, I predicted this, and you were like, oh, I don't know, Jason. Then again, he isn't, he says they're beginning to work on it. So it may not actually happen in 2021. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that he, Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is finally working on making a consumer level monitor, which I don't know why it doesn't already exist. I've ranted about here before, so I won't rant about it again, other than to say you've got these laptops that can drive big, beautiful screens, you've got the Mac Mini that can drive a big, beautiful screen you've got the Mac Pro, but not everybody who wants the Mac Pro wants is doing needs a Pro Display XDR. Why is there not another option? And it sounds like, finally, once again, backtracking on something that was decided a few years ago about Apple and the Mac, which was they weren't going to make monitors anymore. And then they made the Pro Display XDR, but just that one. They seem to have finally said, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, all right. We'll make you a nice monitor. And my my guess is that it will be like a really nice iMac, except it'll just be a monitor. <laughs> yeah, it's like... That'll be it. it the iMac's going to look like the Pro Display, which is just a monitor. So the monitor is just going to look like the new iMac. The monitor, Basically, the monitor will be a new iMac with no computer in it. They're not going to yeah. make different panels. It's going to be the same panel. And I would imagine. It'll just be thinner, I guess. Yeah, and maybe they'll do two models for the two panels that are in the two yeah, different yes, sizes. Yes, so we'll do two sizes, and, and yeah. I will tell you right now. Great, <laughs> I'll buy it. Small Mac Pro, very exciting to me as the uh, replacement for my iMac Pro. I I have been assuming all along that what I would end up with is just an iMac. Me too. But I see this report and I think, oh, maybe a desktop. Apple Silicon Pro Mac with a nice Apple monitor mm-hmm. is where I'll end up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I feel like in the 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 sphere of podcasters and writers yep. and listeners to Mac podcasts and all that, like if this is what we think it might be, which again, there's wish casting there, it probably will disappoint us in some way, such as the way of, of the world. But this seems like what a huge cross section of our audience has been asking for for a decade. <laughs> so I hope so. All I hope is there isn't a long time between the new IMAX and this. <laughs> I, well, that's, 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 gonna be the, that's the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think the truth is I'm going to buy like an awesome iMac, and then six months later, this will come out, and I'll be like, oh, I got to sell this iMac. Because I don't okay. even... 
I don't even want to think about the fact that I bought the 13-inch MacBook Pro because of that 14-inch MacBook Pro. Oh, right, yeah. That's already that's enough. Why I'm, that's why I'm happy that I bought my 999 MacBook Air. It's like, I got it. I got it. It's, it's fine. I'm confident of the resale value of this MacBook Pro, though. Like, a, a, you know, I, I, don't, I think I'll only yeah. have to pay a few hundred dollars to, to get the new one, really, like indifference. Um, but yeah, it will, it will hurt if these new iMacs come out and they're really incredible, as you'd imagine, and look really good. And then it's like, do I get one of these? And hope that the little Mac Pro isn't what I want it to be. Like you know, like that's gonna, ooh, that's gonna, that's gonna be a few months of conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jason, I'm so excited about the Mac. Who would have thought yeah, it, it? Huh? It it's really funny that these reports that are kind of about like Apple going back to basics with some uh, decisions that they are undoing ends up being exciting. Um, and and maybe some new products that are reminiscent of back in the back in the day kind of products. I think what it says is if these German reports are true and Mark German's track record is very good, what it says is whoever has their hand at the on the wheel of where the Mac is going. And again, this has probably been for a while, and we're only now kind of seeing that it's coming to fruition. But like clearly, this wasn't just a oh yes, we're going to pay attention to the Mac. Clearly, this was. Uh, whoever has their hand on the wheel is like put in reverse like we said and get on the get on the road like realizing that they needed to back up undo some mistakes and then you know peel out and floor it and go go to new places it's very exciting the thing for me is though is it's not necessarily so much the detail of the changes it's that there's so many things happening that's what excites me more like we can talk about the detail and and forever right but i don't remember a time when i've been able to like let me fill up an entire episode of upgrade with announced potential announcement for new mac hardware from that's like yeah that we're talking about excited and that we're excited about and not just like oh man are they really not going to put the keyboard in this one i think that's a side effect of the whole thing of you know what i was saying about the kind of malaise of the mid decade mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. mac right where it was just like everything was just kind of like uh, well you know yep whatever there was excitement elsewhere in apple and i'm not saying they were lazy i'm saying they were their focus was somewhere else yeah <laughs> and they, they i really believe they thought that mac was going to be just sort of like kept going as it was and mm-hmm. then at some point they said no let's no we're not going to do that we're gonna we're gonna put effort into the mac like we put it into the ipad and uh, this is that happening. This is another step there. The M1 Macs were a good step. The Mac Pro was a good step. This is another step in in what I would say is the right direction, even if it is sort of a, a step back and then a pivot and then a step forward. <laughs> Upgradients, if you no longer want to hear ads on this very program, whilst also getting extra bonus upgrade content, you should sign up. For Upgrade Plus, it's just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you'll get tons of other benefits, 
for being a Relay FM member, like annual bonus crossover shows, including the text adventures that we do uh, with CGP Grey every year, extra monthly shows like Backstage and Fusion, access to the Relay FM members' Discord, and so much more. Just go to getupgradeplus.com to sign up. We love making the additional content for Upgrade Plus subscribers. We get to share some interesting stories, talk about what's going on behind the scenes of the show, and we get deep into some nerdy topics. Like, for example, in today's Upgrade Plus uh, segment, you will get to hear how Jason was able to watch 3D movies at home with hardware he already owns. And here's my tease, which is the Microsoft Surface Go on my desk says that it's got three hours to go. What? (laughs) What could it mean? Go to getupgradeplus.com right now. You can sign up to become a member, support the show, and you can find out exactly what that is all about. Uh, Thank you so much. If you check it out, we really appreciate it. Let's finish off today's episode with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. Jerry asks, how many of your podcasts are video calls versus audio calls when you're recording them? None. What about TPK? Well, so the the footnote is, if there's a video version, it's a video call. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not. So Total Party Kill, where we play Dungeons and Dragons on the internet for your amusement, that's a video call mm-hmm. because you see our faces and you see the map and we have to see the map to see where our characters are and stuff like that and move around and stuff. But I realized that it was confusing. I mean, a lot of people just listen to the audio version. Most people, I think, listen to the audio version and it's fine. It's theater of the mind. We try not to do it, but I find I, I realized showing us and the map would be kind of a fun video version. So we do that on video. That's it. Everything else we do, like like upgrade, there's no video. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and Mike has talked about this before, he'll back me up here. I think it's super important that you don't do video because not only is it distracting, but you end up communicating things visually and the listeners can't see you. Yes. So you communicate things visually and they're lost on the listenership. So I think the quality of the conversation goes down because... You're no longer having an audio conversation that is all that the podcast listener gets. You're having this video conversation that the podcast listeners are missing. So mm-hmm. none other than the TPK where we also do a video version, none of the podcasts I do have video. Exactly. Uh, Tim asks, would you use a waterproof HomePod mini shower edition? Um, no. No. I I have a Bluetooth speaker that I use in the shower and it's fine. Um, I I guess you know I don't think I need voice control in the shower or anything like that. Uh, my little little suction cup thing works fine, and uh, yeah, I just I don't I don't think I would. Uh, it's possible, but I I I think that's an unnecessary thing. Also, it's going to be battery operated, and I'm going to have to charge it and stuff like that because I don't have you know I'm not going to. There's nothing to plug in in the shower. That would be very dangerous. So, yeah, my my phone's waterproof and the speakers are loud enough. That works just fine. Honestly, (laughs) honestly, my iPhone, I I pop it. Well, I'm not. It's not in a case. You know, the one Uh that I'm using right now. Like you can just, I I just take it in the shower. In fact, when my Bluetooth speaker starts beeping every thirty seconds to tell me that it's running out of battery, which I hate so much, I just turn it off and bring my phone in the shower. (laughs) 
and put it down so it's reflecting against the wall and it's fine. Ian asks, what are your favorite mouse alternatives when working? I'm a video editor and love my MX Master 3, but really need an alternative like a trackball or a stylus since I started noticing some wrist and forearm strain over the past week or so. Do you this have is all any you, recommend- Mike. It's all me? Great. One, it's all you. I use a magic trackpad track and that's it. Get a magic trackpad. Um, and this is my, it's my favorite thing that I love. Put it on the other side of your desk and you can use one hand for zooming and panning and then the other hand for your mouse or your whatever you're using for more fine motor control. So you're using both hands. That will help reduce the amount of strain you're putting on one arm. Uh, if you're looking for other like mouse-like products, um, you said you like the MX Master 3 from Logitech. Logitech also make a trackball mouse called the MX Master Ergo, which you might like. Um, it's got a lot of the features that the MX Master 3 has. Not all, but there's enough, and it's nice. It has some tilting that you can do with it too. And do not sleep on getting a Wacom tablet. I use a Wacom Intuos Pro. It takes a while to get used to this because it's a completely different way of doing things. Um, but I have found, without a shadow of a doubt, the thing that is makes my life so much easier is using a Wacom tablet because it's much more comfortable. You're holding a pen in your hand, which you're really used to doing. Uh, I really, really, really recommend looking into getting one of these. Um, I find it to be a much nicer experience. Uh, make sure that you select the screen area as full and tablet area is full. And this basically means that when you're on the top left of the track of, of the, uh, the, the, the tablet, you're on the top left of the Mac screen, bottom right, you're on the bottom right of the Mac screen and you move your arm and it moves like the, the cursor exactly where you want it to be. They do this thing where they try and scale it by default. Don't do that. But trust me, Wacom is the way to go because you can especially i mean it's especially good for me because i'm left-handed uh with using a pen and right-handed with using a mouse so great but otherwise just get a trackpad put it on the other side uh really good i use the medium uh wacom intuos pro really really thoroughly recommend take some practice but I've gotten a few people on this train with me over the years. CGP Grey got me on this train and I've convinced others. And I typically have only ever heard good things from people. Um, it really, really can help a lot. Because it's, it's a completely different arm movement as well than the mouse. Because you kind of move your entire arm, which you don't really do with the mouse or, or a trackpad. You tend to just move your wrist and your, your forearm a lot more. Uh, really thoroughly recommended. John says, I held out a year for the M1s, uh, like the Apple Silicon Macs, but they cannot dis support two external displays, which is a huge disappointment for me and something I really want to be able to do. Do I grab the last Intel MacBook Air or hold out longer for Macs that can handle this? I'm invested in a dock and monitors and need it to run Logic occasionally. I'd say keep holding out because we just talked about new MacBook Pros. I, would I bet they can do bet it. money that they will support more monitors. Yeah. yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't buy an Intel Mac now. I would keep waiting. You maybe only no. need to wait six more months. Um, I I'm a complete agreement with Jason. I bet those new MacBook Pros can do it. I would say if you're really desperate, what I would do is I would if you're desperate, I would buy a I would buy an M1, and uh, I think there's some ways you can bridge with a, a usb adapter to display port and support two external monitors 
Um, hmm. It's probably going to be hinky, but you could probably do it. Um, and then because it's an Apple Silicon Mac, it'll probably hold its value pretty decently and you would just sell that and buy it. But if you can just wait, I just wait, just wait because uh, we have on good authority, friend of the show, Mark Gurman, that um, mid-year there'll be MacBook Pros and those, I would, um, I can't believe that they'll have the limitations of the current models. So I would wait if you can. Uh, Sarah in the Discord has put a link to a workaround, uh, which I'll put in the show notes in case you yeah, want to try it out for yourself. There are ways to do it. You could also like get a Mac Mini and hook it up, an M1 Mac Mini, um, but the same deal where you'd end up selling it and getting it. If, if you are desperate, that would be the, the way to go. Steve asks, do you frequently use message effects in uh, messages in iOS, uh, and how do you feel about this feature? I don't. I, um, do. I did have somebody, do you? I, I had somebody say Happy New Year to me in text the other day, and mm. we laughed because uh, then it kicked Mac. off all the fireworks. Yeah. It was very exciting. I use tapbacks a lot. Oh, I don't I use, use the so message much. effects so much, but I use tapbacks all the time. And I think I'm on record as saying that I wish there were more tapbacks or that I could tap back with any emoji. But I do use tapbacks all the time. So I would love there to be uh, emoji an emoji option for TacPack. You could just press it and select whatever. Like you can get emoji reactions in Discord and Slack or whatever. Similarly to the TacPacks, there should be more. They should have added more message effects. I only ever added one more, I think, which is called Celebration. Um, I really like them. I use the lasers one. I use the spinning word tornado thing all the time. I did want to just say one thing in case people don't know. I saw this on Twitter a while ago and it's amazing that in messages on the Mac, there's a keyboard shortcut for the tap backs. Yeah, Command T. And then you just do one, two, three, four, or five. Um, really great. Like, I'm I, so happy to find that because doing the right click and selecting it kind of sucks on the Mac. Oh, Jason just sent me a message with lasers. And now that I am using uh-huh. macOS Big Sur on my iMac Pro, which I upgraded, you to, can see it. I can now see it happening. Messages was one of the reasons that I upgraded my Mac Pro. So I really wanted to get the, the, the full experience. If you would like to send in a question to help us close out an episode of Upgrade, if you've got something that you think we can help you with, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, which you can become a member and support the show at getupgradeplus.com. Thank you if you do. Thank you so much to our sponsors which are Devon Technologies and Hover of this week's episode. If you want to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com and he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find this show and many more over at relay.fm. I'm sure that there is another program for you if you don't listen to... if you, I bet you can find another one. You go to relay.fm slash shows. I bet you can find something else in there that you're going to enjoy. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to episode 335 of Upgrade, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Goodbye.